Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Corner 3 Podcast. I'm Derek Reifer. I have RJ Garcia on the line. And we're here for Episode 2 of the Corner 3 Podcast. Episode 1 was a smashing success. Uh, We at least have it on a few streaming platforms right now. You can see them all on our Anchor profile. Uh, And today we've got some fun stuff to talk about. Obviously, last night there was a huge game in the NCAA tournament between Duke and Michigan State. We're more interested in talking about the losing team, Duke. They've got a couple great NBA prospects coming up. And, of course, we're going to get to a fantasy draft at the end. What's up, RJ? How you doing, man? Um, I don't know if I would classify it as a couple of great NBA prospects, but there is certainly (laughs) one great NBA prospect on Duke, was on Duke, I suppose, now. Yeah, well, great is a relative term, depending on how you want to look at it. But, of course, it all starts with Zion. Zion Williamson, who is the basically confirmed number one pick in the upcoming NBA draft. Um, We talked a little bit last episode about the changed odds and how that affects teams that are trying to move up for a guy like Zion. Um, But this time around, what are your thoughts on Zion as a prospect overall? How does he really compare to some of the top, top guys that we've seen the last few years? The Anthony Davises, uh, the LeBrons, even if you want to get into that. I think, you know, sometimes when you have these high-profile recruits coming into the NCAA, you find yourself sitting there and thinking, wow, why was he so highly recruited? This isn't really as impressive. You saw it a little bit with Andrew Wiggins. To a little lesser extent, you see you saw it with Anthony Davis in college because he really didn't score that many points when he was in college. He was obviously averaging a massive amount of blocks. But, you know, there was I believe it was around five per game, actually, which is yeah. pretty insane. Yeah, but you know, there was times where the points were necessary weren't necessary there in the in the uh, in, in individual creation. None of that can be said about Zion in his time in college. It has essentially just been a nonstop highlight special. Being every single game, and you see something that it's just hard to fathom that you would be anybody else in college basketball this year that would be able to do it. And honestly. For a really long time in college basketball, you really haven't seen anything like this. So, I mean, he's easily the number one pick. The question, the fun part where you get with Zion is either, it's just really start when you start thinking about where is he in the history of best prospects coming into the draft? In terms of NCAA prospects, you have to think that the only other one you're really you're thinking about in comparison is Anthony Davis. Um, it, it's, I mean, maybe I mean, Kevin Durant a little bit before that, but Kevin Durant as an NCAA player was nothing compared to what Zion was. I mean, Zion was just the, the about as big of a force of nature as it gets. Yeah, and I don't think people really knew coming in just how good his playmaking was going to be. I mean, we saw the dunks on those high school mixtapes. We saw some of the blocks. Um, I don't think anyone really knew that he was going to be able to have the handle that he's shown. Right. Right. Have the passing that he's shown. I mean, full court passes, passing out of the pick and roll, passing as the roll man yep. to guys underneath. Uh, he really has shown a great understanding of sort of the geometry of the floor, even with some not great shooting around him with Duke, which we might get into a little bit later. I mean, what's so insane about Zion, and it's a great point. I mean, you, you, he had – the Duke was the worst shooting three-point team this year, essentially, in the entire NCAA, or very close to it. And usually, typically, you, it would, they would be packed in the paint. And they did pack the paint against Zion and R.J. Barrett. And you look at, you look at this, how not spread the floor was. 
And it was just incredibly apparent, especially if you watch mostly NBA basketball, that Mm -hmm. it was a completely different paradigm of how these guys were playing playing basketball compared to how he will be playing next year. But you know what? He shot 75% from two this year. I mean, look, the, the offense is there. Everyone was geared up on him. He even he hit some threes, and he was shooting more than you might think. I mean, obviously, his three-point shooting isn't his biggest weapon, but uh, it's not like a guy like Ben Simmons where you just don't see him ever shooting ever. Zion has the potential to one day grow into a three-point shooter. If you look at uh, Tankathon's projected three-point percentage, which takes into account number of threes you take, free throw rate, uh, he's got a better rate, a uh, better projected three-point rate than Anthony Davis did coming in. And Anthony Davis is shooting threes pretty well these days Yeah, and uh, I in think, terms of a comparison of a prospect. And honestly, like, if he shoots threes, it's just kind of icing on the cake. Even if he does it, it's, he's, it's like he's a better Jimmy Butler right now. I mean, he's obviously not going to be a better <laughs> Jimmy Butler once he enters the league for his rookie year. But that's already what your projection is. I mean – the one thing I would say coming into this year that I didn't really have as firm of a grasp on as you do after watching him over the course of the year that we did, he's an amazing defensive player. I mean, it's he is a legitimately – he's a legitimate interior paint defender. There were, there were times yesterday in that game against Michigan State, they weren't taking shots around the rim because Zion was there, and he's six foot six, and he's, and he's stifling – uh, interior shots. Yeah, it's and kind of, he racks up the steals as well. Uh, he kind of gives you... 3.9 steal percentage. It's yeah. it's sick. I mean, he gives you sort of these dreams of... I mean, obviously, Draymond, so much of what Draymond does is just because of his severely strong mental appreciation for what goes on. He just has these crazy reaction times on passes and shots and things of that nature. So maybe Zion never gets to that space mentally, but in terms of physically, uh, he's got a bigger build than Draymond. He's quicker than Draymond. He jumps higher than Draymond. Uh, The ability to guard the perimeter and maybe play some center as well. In addition to what he can do on offense, uh, this is a true all around prospect uh, as big of a no miss prospect. I think we've had probably since Anthony Davis, but no, no, I mean, if if we're going to do no miss prospect, it's as big of a prospect as we had him since last year with Luka Doncic. That's the thing that's so so <laughs> wild about this entire situation is that you have one of the greatest rookie years of any NBA player this year with Luka and then next year you're going to have a guy who easily could break it. I mean I don't I yeah. don't I wouldn't I wouldn't say necessarily it's likely but it's easily possible. I mean these yeah, two guys are about as good as prospects as you'll see come through the league in a 15 20 year span. It's difficult to compare to Luca, of course, just because of the NCAA. Right, uh, right. Which is kind exactly. of why I wanted to mention Davis. But uh, obviously, a lot of talk about Zion, and for good reason. But let's switch gears a little bit here to a couple of his teammates, RJ Barrett and Cam Reddish, both projected to be top five picks, both very polarizing players for different reasons. Uh, what are your thoughts on these guys, and, and who would you rather take if you had to choose one? Um. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, you'd have to choose R.J. Barrett um, if you had to choose one of the two. But, I mean, if you watch – watching R.J. Barrett this year has been almost the polar opposite experience from watching Zion Williamson, where Zion is extremely fun, and he – every second you see him do something that you think, wow, I didn't know he could do this. And, and every second I found R.J. Barrett, I was like, why is he doing this? Why are you <laughs> – 
what are you doing? And it, it was just a very unenjoyable experience watching him this year. And, you know, Jonathan Gavoni from Draft Express um, and ESPN, one of the best draft guys um, on the web, he, he was buying R.J. Barrett's stock today and with the rationale that Barrett will never – this is a quote – Barrett will never be asked to share the floor with as many non-shooters as he did all season long on this poorly constructed Duke team. Mm -hmm. Something that undoubtedly made life much easier for opposing defenses to back the paint and force him into to navigate impossibly tight spaces while not possessing elite shooting ability himself. And I understand that argument that it's going to be different once he's playing in the NBA. Of course it is. You need to take a look at a team like Duke that was supposed to be as overpowered as a college team gets, and yet they still somehow couldn't find two shooters to play around yep. these guys. Yep. But at the same time, I mean, I think this kind of doesn't completely concept, uh, conceptualize, conceptualize my apologies, how gravity works in basketball, because there was, there was two players on Zion most every time that he had the ball. And the shot that RJ Barrett was getting was essentially wide open threes. And he obviously the, the spacing in terms of getting to the rim wasn't ideal for RJ Barrett, but I just, I'm still really struck by the fact that he had a lot of possessions to be able to use there, especially when Zion was out. And he just really didn't impress in my opinion. I mean, and I think it's one of these things he just didn't pop. I hate using the term eye test, but he mm -hmm. didn't pop in the eye test. He really didn't. Yeah. I mean, RJ has been much aligned in the media and, and by fans alike. Um, but I think if you, if you look at the raw numbers, and of course the eye test can leave something to desired in some respects in terms of his decision-making, but I think there is an understanding there of how, uh, how basketball works just in terms of his assist rate, uh, in terms of how many points he scored has really been sort of almost unprecedented. <laughs> I mean, obviously his teammate Zion, but I, I believe uh, no other – duo has really put up 20 points like these guys uh, in decades. Right. If you take a look at R.J. Barrett and what he's working with, you touched on the shooting around him. Currently, Duke is shooting – or shot, sorry, Duke fans – under 31% from three this season. Uh, if we want to look at the team two years ago that had another great Duke prospect, wing prospect in Jason Tatum, that team shot 38% from three. Right. They had guys like Luke Kennard shooting 5.5. 5.4 a game on 44%. They had Frank Jackson shooting 3.6 a game at almost 40%. They had Grayson Allen shooting 37% on six and a half per game. Uh, a lot of shooters around Jason Tatum, uh, not too many around R.J. Barrett. But if you look at the efficiency numbers, R.J. is really holding his own against right. Jason Tatum. Now, no one thinks he's no no one thinks he's as good a prospect as Tatum. Uh, right. But if you look at look at certain uh, advanced, I mean. Not as advanced as, as you might you might want, but certain advanced metrics such as PER, win shares, defensive rating, offensive block, box plus minus, and total box plus minus. RJ Barrett beating Jason Tatum, and of course, in terms of stats per 36 minutes, 23 points per game to Tatum's 18, 4.4 assists per game to Tatum's 2.3. I mean, Tatum had that great rookie year. Now there are some concerns in Boston about you know maybe he's not much of a playmaker as we thought when the, with the ball in his hands. RJ looks like the kind of guy that can really make plays, and he did it without a lot of shooting around him. So, uh, so here's, here's of, another – sorry, go ahead. No, I, w I was about to pivot to Cam, but if you have more thoughts on RJ, go for it. The thing that, that really troubles me with RJ is that he's a long player 
with lanky arms and played next to Zion, and and he just did not really make much of a defensive impact from from either the stats nor just watching him play. I mean, 1.4% steal rate, it's extremely low. It's the lowest of any of the starters that he was playing with. Lower behind Alex O'Connell even, and Jack Mm -hmm. White, who came off the bench, who are obviously non-prospects. You just there was just a lot of times where you, you you sit there and you understand there's some of the true raw stats, and it looks good, but you just look into a little bit deeper and it's just it's just troubling. I mean he's, I mean I would say for my personal comparison, you have to think he's probably a, a poor man's Demar Derozan, would be how you'd be thinking about him at the next level, and then that and that becomes another question of how do you the person that's evaluating the team that's evaluating the person that's making the decision to pick him. How do you evaluate DeMar DeRozan? Do you think he's a, a big volume scoring guy that's valuable for the team? Or do you think he's an inefficient, I'm sorry, inefficient scoring guy who's not as valuable to the team? It, it's, it's a big team building question at that point. Yeah, I mean, I've heard the R.J. Barrett, DeMar DeRozan comparisons. I really don't think they're fair at all to R.J. Um, no offense, of course, but if you look at these numbers, I'm looking at the comparison right now per 36 minutes. RJ put up 23, 8, and 4.5. And mm-hmm. DeMar DeRozan put up 15, 6, and 1.6 assists to RJ's 4.4. Uh, and just looking at the shooting percentages, I mean, DeMar DeRozan shot 16.7% from three. RJ is shooting three, 30.1%, excuse me, from three. And he's shooting right. a better rate from the line as well. Right. Um, so, I mean, look, they got similar builds, both 6'7, both with that 6'9 wingspan. You look at these raw numbers. Look, I don't think RJ is a great prospect. He's far from a perfect prospect. Uh, I think he he's gotten aligned partially because he plays on a team with Zion. People want to see Zion get the ball. Uh, I don't think RJ is going to be a bad NBA player, and I'm excited to see what he does at the next level. And I think he's a better prospect, just for the record, than Cam Reddish, who you know he disappears out there, and he hasn't been that much better defensively than RJ. If you ask scouts, if you look at the numbers, he's got a higher steal rate, but he's also fouling a ton more in terms of defensive rating, 95.1 RJ, 95.9 in terms of defensive win shares uh, per 40. This is all per tankathon. Cam Reddish, 0.082 RJ Barrett, 0.081. You ask the coaches, RJ is the hardest trier out there. He works uh, even on defense. Cam Reddish looks to me like the kind of guy that's going to disappear at the next level. RJ, to me, could be a 20-point scorer in the NBA, and you could obviously make a make an argument about how valuable that really is if it's sort of an empty points guy. But he showed enough of a understanding of passing and a little bit of defense, I think, to become a solid contributor at the next level. Right. I, any I any say- last thoughts before we move on to the draft? So, I mean, the only the big the only hiccup that I have with those two guys, RJ and Cam, that makes me think about maybe there being a little bit more room to be succeed at the next level. Because because as it stands right now, those those are guys that I wouldn't be taking in the top five. And for Cam Reddish, I mean, it's hard to see. I think there's ten guys that have better prospects than him right now. But the the big reluctance that I have is to think about. These recruiting guys and these guys at the high school and AU level are really good at their jobs. And for some reason, they had not only did they have Cam at number three, they had RJ at number one over Zion. Mm-hmm. And there were people who were saying, How did you miss Zion? Because clearly he should have been the number one person in the class. 
But there, there's has to be something at the next level. There has to be something somewhere that was the reason why these guys were right there with Zion or ahead of him. And maybe that gets shown at the next level. Maybe it doesn't, but. I mean, look, scouting is sometimes more of an art than a science. Mitchell Robinson went 36th in the draft. Kevin Knox went ninth. You ask most most Nick fans, who would they rather take? There was a lot of scouting that went into those two picks. There were a lot of teams that passed on Mitchell Robinson. And that's just one example. I mean, Draymond Green could be a future Hall of Famer, depending on how you ask. Well, but it's it's interesting that you say that, though, right? Because if you go and take a look at the 2017 recruiting rankings – they loved Mitchell Robinson. He was the number nine, number nine guy in the class. He was above Kevin Knox. So that's yeah. kind of my point, is that while this, this, sure the scouting can be hit or miss, but they were right about Mitchell Robinson. He just happened to not play in college. They I mean, yeah, those, those guys nailed it. It adds to just the number of – the sheer number of variables that go into whether someone's going to be a good NBA player. I mean, right. you talk about nature versus nurture. Uh, you could have a guy that has incredible bounce and talent, someone that right. can shoot really well, someone that is a hard worker, someone that goes to a good organization, and that ends up helping them. People say right. Kawhi Leonard was helped in San Antonio, uh, just one example, who a guy who was a middling first-round prospect and turned out to be a superstar. So there's a ton that goes into it. Um, of in terms of drafts, any, any last thoughts before we move on? Um, I think we should wait a little bit, and uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of time until the NBA draft, and, and things will change. We'll see who comes out. Um, feels like a weak draft, but we shall see as the um, coming weeks come and see who who comes in and who is staying. Fourteen percent, brother. There's never been a bigger percent <laughs> that ever existed. All right. Um, okay, so switching gears now, uh, we want to do our second ever. Um, corner three podcast fantasy draft and just to keeping just to keep us honest and to keep us accountable i'm going to pull up the poll results from our previous draft that went up on twitter and you know i i have to be the nice guy and and release these results 68 percent of fans voted for rj's team two that was shay luca landry marvin bagley deandre ayton um so i think we're going to keep posting these on Twitter and seeing what people think. Uh, but of course the people got it wrong this time. So <laughs> let's, let's move on to our next, to our next draft. Uh, you want to sort of lay out the rules for the listeners? Yeah, sure. So we're keeping it, obviously Zion's getting knocked out in his one year and now he is done to the NBA as is, as are his two teammates, Cam and RJ. So um, we figured that we would do a draft uh, five-man roster of the all of the one and done. So you have all the one and done at, at your disposal, including Zion, for uh, total career. Is what we're so just do. for some background, the one and done rule started in 2006. So we'll only be talking about players who spent one year in college and then went straight to the NBA. I mean, this is all assuming that Zion will go straight to the NBA next Which year. Which you will. Um, but yeah, so I any further thoughts before I just jump in? Yeah, so um, international prospects not available. Chris Porzingis, Luka Doncic. Um, additionally, we're gonna have Derek start and go first since I was able to get the first pick last time. And um, and this again, this is like full career. So with Zion, it's a little bit of projection. So it's gonna be a mix of projection and current production for all of these picks. So mm-hmm. a guy like. 
Like the only way you'd be able to compare people like Zion or Kevin Durant is via some sort of mixed between projection and uh, current production. Great. Um, so with that, I'm just going to use that perfect segue to select Kevin Durant, number one overall. Uh, I I don't think it's as much of a no-brainer as you necessarily did it's when no we were discussing this draft it's earlier. No, it's a no-brainer. Um, but I'm very confident taking Kevin Durant, number one. He's at the ripe age of 30. And if you just scroll through his career highlights and awards, he's got two fake NBA titles, two fake oh, NBA finals MVPs. <laughs> but outside of that, he's an NBA MVP. He's a 10-time All-Star, six-time first-teamer by 30. That's pretty wild. Uh, and he just gives you that versatility to do just about anything on the basketball court. He plays defense on the interior and exterior when he's locked in. He can be a playmaker. He shoots threes. He can score inside. He can score in isolation. He can even run a little pick and roll. Uh, he's a guy that you want to build your team around, and I'm excited for the Knicks to build their team around him next year. Oh, geez. All right. Getting your hopes up. <laughs> All right. So I feel like obvious... I wasn't cocky enough with our last draft, and that hurt me a little bit. So I'm just going to go <laughs> full cockiness this time. That's fine. <clears throat> um, all right. So with my second pick and pick, Anthony Davis, uh, pretty clear. Okay. I think that there are clear seven best players or so in the NBA, and I think that he is clearly – in that top seven, obviously, Kevin Durant is as well. Um, none of the rest of the top seven, for me at least, are eligible to be in this draft. So this is when it becomes a little bit more interesting. And this, is, this was a pick that I struggled with a lot because I knew that Derek was going to take KD because he's a uh, rational human. Um, <laughs> and I guess I have to do it. I'm going to take Kyrie. Um, I wow. didn't really see myself doing this originally, but um, thought I'd about it a little bit more. And I just think that being able to pair an elite defensive player and an elite isolation player, um, we're looking for 16-game players, as Draymond, like the, Draymond Green <laughs> likes to say, instead of 82-game players. And I think for uh, an NBA Finals, he's, he's, he, he can get you a bucket. I mean, that's kind of something that it sounds, it sounds very um, loose. It sounds like it's a little bit less intellectually sound, but he's ISO. He's it's just it's just really really strong, and uh, I guess he's my point guard, or he's at least one of my guard slots. So uh, go ahead, Derek. Now uh, Kyrie and AD are off the board. All right, um, I'm actually a little bit surprised. I knew that Kyrie was going to be in heavy consideration for that third pick. Um, but I'm going to go with the guy I thought you were going to take. I'm going to go ahead and take Zion. At, yep, yep, at yep, this yep. pick here, yep, uh, yep. I really think he's at that level. I, I think he's, I think he's a fair he's a fair comparison with Kyrie Irving. Obviously, Kyrie has shown it at the NBA level. One of the best offensive players in the league. His yep. defense, eh, you can see you can see it leaves some to be desired. I think Zion isn't necessarily going to reach a crazy ceiling on both ends, but I think he's got a high enough floor on both ends where you might think. This guy's going to be a real fearsome two-way player in the league. So I'll take him next to Kevin Durant. And then I'm going to take one of the guys that I think you thought I might pass on. Uh, I'm going to go with Joel Embiid here. Ah, um, I, I like Joel Embiid. I think there are some concerns if we're talking full career arc. Obviously, the injury problems. Uh, so who knows how long that career is going to end up being. Hopefully, it's, it's long and fruitful. But what he's shown so far has been nothing short of elite. In terms of 16-game players, you know, uh, still something to be determined there. We don't know yet 
how he's going to fare in the playoffs this year. Obviously, he was an early out last year, and Al, Al Horford kind of kind of took him uh, kind of took him to the bank. But uh, I'm pretty confident with Embiid being one of the best defensive players in the league, one of the best defensive centers, and I'm very excited to pair him next to Zion in the front court. And I don't think there's going to be much scoring against those two guys. So uh, yeah, go ahead and go ahead and try to beat that. It's it's interesting because I think from I think from a pure talent perspective, you can make a very strong argument that Joel Embiid would be in the top three or top four and above Kyrie. Um, I think that I mean that was somebody that I was considering at that second pick. As both both those two were essentially the three mm-hmm. people that I was considering. I just think that when you look at who the one and guns are available in terms of a team building perspective, I think that I had to go there because now. I am going to take Bradley Beal, mm. and I am also going to take Jason Next Tatum. on my big board. Wow, Tatum. So we have Brad Beal, we have Tatum. We were looking at guys that will be able to be low usage if needed um, and be able to spot up from three. And I think that Brad Beal is somebody who, in, in terms of an all-star type of setting, is uh, really flexible where he can be a guy whose who's defenses look a little bit better this year than, than people thought in the past. He can handle a, 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 a primary scoring role, and he can yeah. also just spot up from three and has the gravity to pull people away from AD, pull people away from Kyrie, and be able to have the spacing needed to be able to truly unleash a full force of this offense. Yeah, I was a well-known Brad Beal hater at the beginning of the season, but it appears that the absence of John Wall has really allowed him to blossom into what he is with right now, which is a 25 to 30 point per game guy uh, on good shooting efficiencies. He's able to play make first teammates, even on a not so great wizards team. Uh, so yeah, I mean, he was next on my big board. I don't fault that pick at all. Uh, I'm going to go next into my next two guys. So I'm currently missing two guards. Uh, thinking about my team and how it's currently constructed, you know, Zion's going to have the ball in his hands a lot. Durant's going to have the ball in his hands a lot, even Embiid. Uh, So I don't think I necessarily want the guy that's really going to need that rock and not be able to move um, and shoot those threes and move well without the ball. Because I was considering someone like a Ben Simmons or even a John Wall uh, in this position. But I'm going to go with two guards that I think can be really good complementary scorers uh, and play some defense. And that's going to be Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell. Wow. Um, okay. So I think these guys are going to fit really well with my team. Uh, Mike Conley is going to be able to shoot threes. He's going to be able to defend point guards and some twos very well. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is also the guy, kind of guy that I think one day could be that kind of Brad Beal type scorer. Maybe not the, the shooting efficiencies from three. Um, but in terms of scoring inside – in terms of playmaking, in terms of some defense. I think those are both guys that don't necessarily need to be number one options at all times. They can both play some defense. Uh, Obviously, Conley, he doesn't get enough credit for what he's done over the course of his career. I mean, he's had a tough time in the Western Conference with all those point guards, Uh, but he's put up great numbers every year, and he's been in a small, small market. He plays defense. He shoots. His teammates love him. He doesn't get technical fouls. Uh, and Mitchell, I, I'm a big believer in Donovan Mitchell as well. So I think those guys will fit well with my team. What do you think? Yeah, I think the Mitchell one's pretty interesting. I wasn't really considering him as somebody that you might look at here. Um, I get it, I suppose. I think that 
he's a, still a little bit overrated, especially considering there has been some some tapering off from last year. He's he was fiftieth in uh, real RPM in his freshman year, and now in his yep. sophomore year, he's down in the seventies. Yep. It's a little bit of a problem considering he did folks. start off incredibly slow and then has been great in 2019. But I do see your point. There's cause for concern there. I think Mike Connolly was, was the pick that I was expecting to make. And I think that's a great one. If he would have been around, that's what I would have, I would have finished out with Mike Connolly. I think that Mike Connolly scales very well. I wonder about Donovan's Mitchell's scalability. Uh, he's clearly the man right now in Utah and he's very ball dominant. Uh, I don't know how he would be without the ball as much. It'd be, it'd be interesting to see. However, I'm going to finish this out. Uh, I'm going to take Ben Simmons. Uh, I think that my team has enough spacing that it can afford to have a Ben Simmons on the squad. I think that he's going to be somebody that's, I mean, the positional versatility on this team outside of Kyrie Irving is kind of insane. A lot of these mm-hmm. guys can guard multiple positions. And uh, I think Ben Simmons is somebody that, Obviously, the the spacing is is a serious issue, but I think that it's he's somebody that people have been sleeping on a little bit this year, where he's he's been able to put up an extremely high RPM, he's been able to put up an extremely high defensive RPM considering his position, and I think that the defense is something that people don't really give him enough credit for, and at the end of the day, he he shoots a really high percentage, and I know that obviously he's not shooting from three as the meme suggests, mm-hmm. but you're getting a lot of stuff with him that you, you don't really, it's hard to find. It's hard to find a guy who's six foot 10, who's going to average eight assists a game. Um, yeah. And- no, no arguments really with Simmons. Um, I'll let you finish your point, but he was actually seventh on my big board. I made a little bit of a big board before of this. Draft. Just course. the way it shook out. Uh, I, he just didn't seem like the best fit for my team. Well, <laughs> I mean, one of the guys that he's currently sharing a team with, Joel Embiid, there are some real concerns about how they fit in real life. Uh, so you put them next to another guy like Zion. I just don't know. I felt like the Conley and Mitchell picks were a better fit for my team. But before we summarize the teams, do you want to – do you have any more thoughts on Simmons? Yeah, I think – well, I, I'm not necessarily on Simmons, but I think just in a little bit of a summary and just people who were left out, it's pretty shocking. Uh, John mm-hmm. Wall, not picked. Devin Booker, not picked. Kevin Love, not picked. Carl Anthony Towns, I think, would probably be the biggest yep. surprise uh, yep. for folks. Um, Towns was somebody I was considering with that last pick as well. I just kind of wanted to go small. I want to give Joel Embiid fits. I want to make Kevin Durant guard guards and not forwards. That's kind of what I'm, I'm thinking for in my team. But I think that there's a strong argument in uh, just thinking about it in general mm. without team specific, about for a cat, for a Mike Connolly, for a Devin Booker, if you need volume scoring, but I just don't think they really are uh, 16 game players. And I think the other two guys that might have uh, lost a little bit of love here, Kevin Love and right. Demarcus Cousins, uh, were the other two guys that I listed on my big board that didn't end up going. Uh, but let's summarize it here. So I think we've got RJ's team, we've got Kyrie at the point, we've got Brad Beal at the two. Uh, I guess. Ben Simmons would technically be your no, three four. in he's this situation, um, and and you got Davis at the five. But who is your who is your who is your three? I would I would I want I oh, would Tatum. like Tatum's be guarding Zion, and then I'll have Simmons on KD, or they can switch off. I'm pretty comfortable with either of those two matchups. 
Okay, so you got Kyrie, Beal, Tatum, Simmons, and Davis. Uh, my team is going to be Kevin Durant, Zion Williamson, Joel Embiid, uh, Donovan Mitchell, and Michael Conley. So we're going to throw those two teams on the Corner 3 Sports Twitter account, at Corner 3 Sports, uh, so you guys can vote, and hopefully you guys will get it right this time. Um, but in all, thanks for listening. I think we're right around that half hour that we're trying to project for, for a future right, episodes. Yeah. We went over a little bit with our intro episode last time. Um, but yeah, I mean, RJ, always a pleasure. Any, any final thoughts before I turn on this Mets game? <laughs> um, I think when next time we record, we're gonna have a much better, a much clearer view of what's gonna be going on in that Western conference. I think, mm-hmm. yeah, I think. A lot of those teams are trying to jockey to play a depleted Portland Trailblazers team without Yusuf Nurkic and without, for the time being, CJ McConnell. Um, I think that – I think they're probably also trying to – CJ McCollum. McCollum. I'm I'm sorry. (laughs) We have a friend friend named McConnell. It makes sense. Uh, That's right. Um, (laughs) And uh, and I think that there's some teams that probably want to jockey to try and and get the Nuggets – um, I, I think that they're going to be, it's going to be tough for them their first year in the playoffs in a really long time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think that might be a team that people think that they might be able to take in the first round. We'll see how these, how everything shakes out, but, uh, that's what I'm going to be watching as long as well as a little bit of baseball to start the year. Um, but I think, and I guess obviously the final four, even though it's kind of lame now, no Zion. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> but, not uh, lame if you're first place in your bracket. Okay, man. All right. Uh, On that note, thanks so much if you made it this far into the episode. We really appreciate it. Uh, Please vote on Twitter for our fantasy draft. See what team you like. Uh, I won't be offended if you don't use logic and you pick team one or team two. Um, And give us any feedback you can possibly give us. I think we're on a few different streaming services now. We have Pocket Cast, Breaker, Anchor, and Radio Public. Uh, Should be Apple Podcast coming this week, I believe. Yeah, hopefully in the future we will be a little bit more versatile there. But thanks again. Please drop us some comments. And until then, we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. See you later. Thanks, RJ.